0: It's News Radio thirteen ten Kenwax AM one oh seven nine Kenwax FM. I am your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. 701-775-5559 is the phone number. Live at Kenwaxradio dot com is the email. On the phone with me is uh, Mark Meckler. He is uh, with uh, the group, the Convention of States Action. Uh, Mark, am I am I pronouncing your name correctly? You got it. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so this was brought up on my radio show. Yes, not yesterday. Day before on Wednesday, somebody said, hey, have you heard about this coalition of states thing? I think they've got a Facebook page. And I said, well, I've not heard of it, but I looked it up and I found convention of states. I'm assuming that that's what the uh, what the texter was asking about. And essentially what a convention of states is, is uh, the, the Constitution, Article 5, gives the various states the power to call a a constitutional convention to propose amendments to the constitution. And that's essentially what you guys are working to do is get with legislators and legislatures to, to call for a convention of States or, or am I missing something?
1: No, you nailed it. Yeah. The constitution says that there's two ways to amend the constitution. One is when two thirds of both houses ask for it, they can propose amendments, goes out to the States for ratification The second way is when two-thirds of states ask for it, they get together in convention and propose amendments that are then sent out for ratification. So this is the second way. It's never been done before. It takes 34 states to call a convention. Uh, So far, 15 states have actually uh, made that, put that through their legislature, through both, both houses. I expect we'll get two to three more before the end of the year. We're just about halfway there.
0: Now, there, there's been some argument in the past, because I've looked into this a little bit in the past, and there's been some arguments that there actually have been 34 states that have called for a convention of states, but some of them were way back in the, like the 1800s, early 1900s, and things like that. And some are saying, well, they can't really rescind that, so we're technically there. And, and where do you stand on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about, there's a legal term called aggregation. It's a question of whether there are 34 that are similar enough in subject matter that we can get to convention. There have been over 400 applications in the history of the United States. I think we can definitively say that they don't aggregate or would have had a convention by now.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So that's, and that's kind of, we're here in North Dakota. We have actually passed one. I believe it was actually in our last legislative session back in 2017, Um, the most recent one appears to be, I believe it was Georgia or the, I'm sorry, the first one, um, appears to be Georgia. Does that sound right?
1: That's correct. Yeah. You guys passed in 2017. Uh, so same application. All these States are passing virtually an identical application and what it calls for is a discussion and convention of three things, a discussion about imposing term limits on federal officials, a discussion about imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, meaning things like a balanced budget amendment, and a discussion about limiting the scope and the power of the federal government. Those are the only three things that can be discussed at convention. All states that have passed so far are agreeing on those things.
0: Okay, and that was one of the things that I've said in the past, because I've I've kind of flip-flopped on this issue. I like the idea of a convention of states, and, and essentially what I was talking about yesterday when I brought this up was that that we're, we're kind of at a point where our elected officials just aren't doing their job. And, and the Convention of States is essentially a, uh, a, an opportunity for us, we the people, to take the power back and kind of force them to do their job. Is that an accurate understanding?
1: You no, know, I think it's very accurate. You know, one of the things that's going on in Washington, D.C. today is they've been granted so much power by the Supreme Court expanding the powers of the federal government and federal officials, but they don't have to make any of the hard decisions. One great example is this whole thing about the ballooning federal deficit and the ballooning federal debt. These guys don't have to make hard decisions. They just vote to print more money. They just vote to incur more debt, and so they don't have to make the decisions about where and how we're spending money. And if we imposed some kind of a balanced budget amendment on them, they would be forced to make those decisions.
0: The I love the idea of a balanced budget amendment, and we actually have a balanced budget amendment here in the state of North Dakota. Um, and and I I love that idea. The concern that I think a lot of people have is, boy, the the going through the federal budget with a chainsaw like that is just going to cause incredible hardship and and you know plunge the economy into into a free fall. Is there is there any validity to that argument?
1: I mean, certainly, I think if you did it overnight, it would be, it would cause tremendous trauma. But there's nothing that says that an amendment that is proposed would require that to be done overnight. And I, I don't think any rational person would try to impose that. I think if I, you know, and I'm just shooting from the hip here because we don't know what the amendment would be. Right. But I'm presuming that they would propose some kind of amendment that required the budget to be balanced over a period of years, uh, you know, using something like the Mac Penny plan. It might take five years or ten years, but it would be imposed constitutionally so we would know that we're moving towards that balanced budget.
0: so when when we start talking about con- the the um, the the constitutional amendments and these conventions and things like that, one of the things that I've expressed as a concern in the past is the 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 possibility of these things getting out of control and somebody proposing that you know amendment that requires every third car to come off of a, of an assembly line has to have you know purple stripes and yellow polka dots or something crazy like that you you've actually addressed that concern through the way you've written the the uh, the bills that you're helping present in in the legislatures correct
1: yeah so there're exactly because there are only three subject matter areas that can be discussed yeah and- these were drafted by some of the finest conservative constitutional scholars in America. That provides the rails for convention. and But we do hear the argument, and I, I do want to kind of pose the opposition's argument. They'll make the argument that, well, the delegates are going to get there and they're just going to do whatever they want. They, they won't follow those guidelines. The reality is if they did that, any action they took is null and void. The amendments would never make it out to the states. And even if they did, uh, you know, what you, what you have to picture is, Will 38 states, three-quarters of the states, ratify something? And the one I hear about all the time, and and so it's the one I would like to bring up, is the idea of the repeal of the Second Amendment. Mm. People say we're going to lose the Second Amendment. California is going to propose the repeal. And the answer is math. You know, if you look at the math, it takes only 13 states to stop anything. When you start to run through the states and you say, well, which states are going to oppose the repeal of the Second Amendment? And you start to talk about all the southern states—Tennessee and the Carolinas and Georgia and Florida and Texas—and I mean, how about North Dakota, right? right. Is, is North Dakota going to? No, of course not. Virginia, which is a blue state, is a constitutional
0: open carry state. Right.
1: So there's no way you could get to 38 states for anything that you or I or any conservative wouldn't like.
0: Yeah, but that and that's like I say that actually it kind of eases my mind a little bit on some of this stuff. Now, as I'm looking at the map here, there, like you say, there's, there's a few States that are working on some active legislation, Oregon, Montana, Nebraska, Kansas, a few others out uh, east as well. Um, There's been a few States, actually our neighbor to the South, South Dakota, they passed in one chamber. Now what happened there? Did, did the house pass it in the Senate didn't, or they just haven't gotten to it yet or, or what, how, uh, what happened in those States?
1: No, that's correct. So what usually happens, uh, what you'll see is we'll have the votes in one chamber. It'll get out of one chamber and get stuck in another chamber. We might, might not get a vote or we might get a vote and we just don't get across the threshold. Those states for me are kind of the ripest target states because it means we do have the support in one of the chambers and we just have to push it across the threshold in the other chamber. So any place you see where we pass one and not the other, those are kind of highest priority target states for us.
0: North Dakota. We do a lot of. It seems like every election cycle, we have a few initiated measures on the ballot that you know that that we the people go out and get petitions for, get enough signatures to get it on a ballot, and things like that. Has that happened at all with any of these, or, or have they all been done through the state legislatures?
1: They've all been done through the legislatures, and the reason is because this is actually a process that is mandated by the United States Constitution. So the Constitution says whatever two-thirds of the legislatures shall call okay and so what that means is the people can't do it by proposition or, or ballot initiative the, uh, uh,
0: well that's maybe a, a rabbit trail I don't want to chase down but we'll I guess we'll <laughs> I'll maybe save that for for another day what do you you say you' you're kind of targeting some of these states that uh, on your map that are yellowed have passed in one chamber and and so you're kind of working on those. What kind of things are you guys doing? I mean, are, are you just sending out email blasts to the legislators or, or, or how is that going? Are you going about some of that?
1: Well, so uh, the most important thing to note is that this organization has over 4 million people involved. We've got representatives of the organization in every state legislative district in the nation. And their activities range very broadly in scope. And each state has its own plan designed by an on-the-ground leadership team in that state, volunteer leaders, and so it will—it will be everything from holding town halls to going and meeting personally with legislators. In a given state, it might be an advertising campaign on the radio or social media. Uh, it might be holding rallies or holding uh, meetings or what we call legislative surges at the capitol, where a few hundred people show up and lobby legislators together. So it's a very broad variety of activities, but all of it grassroots driven.
0: So when, when we, when we get to a point where there's 34 states that have, have actually called for this convention and say, for example, it's 10 years from now, is there, is there an issue? Well, yeah, but North Dakota passed theirs way back in 2017 and heck Georgia was back in 2014. So they're just not valid anymore. Is there anything in the legislation that you're working on that, that says, Hey, in 10 years, if this hasn't happened, we got to pass it again, or, or what are you doing to address that?
1: So all resolutions are valid as long as they haven't been rescinded, unless there's what's called a sunset clause in it.
0: Mm-hmm. For
1: example, the state of Oklahoma put a 10-year sunset clause in theirs, okay, and so we would have to go back if it took 10 years. But almost no states have done that. Everybody just lets them sit on the books because... The thing is, if the state changes its mind, they can rescind that resolution at any time, in the same way they passed it.
0: Okay, okay. So then, what's the uphill battle in this? How do we? Because I, I, like I said, I'll, I'll be honest. I've kind of flip flopped back and forth on this issue, and yep. and I, I'm not sure how I feel 100 percent about it. I'm beginning to lean more and more towards the need for a, an Article Five convention. Um, but what's the uphill battle? How do you how do you get to that 34 states?
1: Well, first of all, I want to address your flip-flop and congratulate you because I, I think it's important that people look at kind of both sides of the issue and, and think about how they it or against it. And I, I want to give you a couple of pieces of evidence that I think are important for your listeners. One is that every single nationally known conservative who's weighed in on this issue is weighed in on, in favor, and that's I mean, all the talkers. If you look at Rush Limbaugh, mm-hmm. Mark Lobin serves on my legal advisory board. Uh, Glenn Beck, Ben Shapiro is an endorser of ours all the major conservative legal figures in politics have endorsed it and when i say conservative i'm talking about just republicans across the board you've got marco rubio on one end uh, again uh mark levin you've got ben sass you've got uh, ron senator ron johnson out of uh wisconsin so all across the political spectrum all the legal scholars that are nationally known robbie george at princeton randy barnett at Georgetown, those guys serve on our legal advisory board so all the Nationally known conservative thinkers, talkers, writers have all weighed in in favor. On our opposition, you have literally every single radical leftist group in America. 230 of them signed a press release two years ago uh, on Good Friday. It was the Soros organizations led by Common Cause and Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. It was Planned Parenthood. It was La Raza. It was every public employee union. So sort of the sides are lined up really well. All the conservative thinkers and talkers are on the side of doing this. And the left is terrified of it. So for me, that's a really important balance. And then how we get there, the biggest thing is there are folks on the right that are concerned about this. They just don't have all the facts. And frankly, my biggest job is educating conservatives mm. so that they understand this thing. What
0: is, what is the left so afraid of? I mean, what, what are, are, they, are they afraid of a balanced budget or, or, or what are they worried about is going to happen? Well, so, look,
1: leftists, I think another good word for leftists in America are statists. They like a big centralized power base because that's where they exercise control. So the left loves centralized power in Washington, D.C., and if I could summarize the Convention of States project in the simplest terms, it's to take power away from D.C. and give it back to the people and the states. They hate that idea. It's very hard for them to have influence in all 50 states, much easier for them to influence at a central point in washington dc and they actually said in this press release that what what our intent was was to reverse 115 years of progressive policies they are correct about that
0: mm. now you you've got you listed some of these endorsers and I, I went to the endorser page and um some of the some of these faces that that i recognize that may not be the the big names. One of the guys that I noticed you have, you've got Steve Dace on here. I've had the luxury of meeting Steve once. And that guy is one of the sharpest, you know, conservative thinkers, I think in the last 20 years. Um, and, and if he, if he endorses that carries a lot of weight with me, of course you mentioned Mark Levin again, love Mark Levin's politics or hate Mark Levin's politics. The guy is, I mean, legally he has a, he's a, he's literally a genius i mean that as far as a legal mind goes um there's there's Absolutely. not too many people that understand the law and the constitution as well as he does
1: well and mark levin wrote a book on this called the liberty amendments yep uh, you know he's sort of the intellectual father of this movement he worked in the justice department with ed Meese under ronald reagan uh, we just had our national leadership summit he was the keynote speaker i had dinner with him he said this is the most important thing he's ever done is being engaged in this. As far as Steve Dee's, I, I got to tell you, he was an opponent when he started looking at this. And and he and I stayed in touch over the years. I've been on his show. I, you know, I agree with you guys. Incredibly smart. And he worked his way through it, and he finally came to the conclusion that okay, there is nothing else that will save the country. The book he just wrote that just came out about six months ago, the concluding chapter is all about Convention of States and why this is the only solution.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, Mark, this is this is something for me that has has been, you know, I, I've, like said, gone back and forth on many times. Um, but I've 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 kind of gotten to a point where I've I, I've just I'm more and more convinced every day. That the guys in Washington just aren't doing their jobs, and it's our job as we, the people, to uh, to put them kind of back in their place. Are you concerned at all? I've had discussions. Of, I'm a huge Second Amendment supporter. My son and I are competitive trap shooters, um, and there's been a lot of discussion that you know that's going to be the thing that that causes the you know the quote unquote next civil war or something like that. Are you concerned of this? Uh, of a, of an Article 5 convention causing some sort of rift that that we're, we're as a country maybe unable to overcome?
1: No, I actually think it solves the rift. I, I think one of the biggest reasons that we have this giant rift in our country, that it's a 50-50 fight all the time, is that so many decisions are made in Washington, D.C. California is going to decide differently than North Dakota and differently than Illinois, differently than Kansas, and If we're allowed to decide those things, we can work those out locally among ourselves in our own state. And by the way, if we don't like the way it's going in our state, like I'm a born and raised Californian. Last December, I moved to Texas because I can't take it anymore. (laughs) And so we can do that. But if everything is decided in Washington, D.C., and today the majority of it is, then all we can do is be angry with each other. There really is no solution except Mm. for trying to be totally dominant one party over another. So I think by... Dissolving the power in DC and, and dispersing it out to the states, we resolve a bunch of this tension.
0: Well, as we as we wrap things up here, I guess the next question that I would ask then is: is it, once we get to 34 states, and there actually is a an Article Five convention, um, and we pass the amendments, or or at least agree upon the amendments, now it moves into the ratification phase. Do you have a do you have a plan to get that done to get four more states to ratify it? Or, or where are you at with that? Or are you going to go wait? We'll wait and see and t- if we're actually going to get there.
1: No, we absolutely have a plan. And, and look, there are people, this, this is going to sound counterintuitive, what I'm about to say. I understand that. I think ratification is much easier than convention. Hmm. And even though it takes four more states, by the time you get to convention, the American people have expressed their will very broadly. Two thirds of the states and two thirds of the population of the United States have said that they want to be in convention and they want amendments around these three subject matter areas. I've worked with politicians at the state level and the federal level all across the country for the last 10 years. They're not the bravest creatures, yeah. and they tend to you know, put their finger in the wind and look at the prevailing political will. So I think what's going to come out of convention are common-sense amendments like balanced budget. 85% of the American people support it. Term limits, 80 85% of American people support it. Things like that are going to come out, and I think the politicians are going to go right along. I think... Ratification is going to be relatively easy. In American history, the average time of ratification of a proposed amendment is about eighteen months. So, I'm much more uh, stressed about getting us to convention <laughs> and actually getting good amendments out of convention than I am about the ratification.
0: So, how then, if somebody wants to get involved, how do how do we do that? If if we want to be a part of this movement, you know, it's already passed here in North Dakota, but we're awfully close to Minnesota. We're literally you know, a few hundred yards across the river from Minnesota. How do we get involved and, and become a part of this?
1: Yeah, folks, go to com and sign up to get involved. And I, and I want to say specifically to you guys there, you know, in a past state, our past states are incredibly important. We continue to build our grassroots army because we are going to get to convention. Your state is going to send delegates co- to convention. It's going to be the grassroots army that keeps those delegates on the straight now, make sure the right amendments are proposed and come out of convention and are there for ratification also our grassroots activists are engaged in all kinds of other stuff for example they're going to be engaged in a huge get out the vote initiative in 2020 they're going to be out there voting for the people they like supporting the people they like and making sure everybody votes so there's a lot of ways they can be involved it's up to us to save the country and if people want to get involved they can go to conventionestates.com
0: and I, I just, I was actually, I was just there and I, I personally signed the petition. What about guys like me as a, as a radio host? If, if I want to get my, you know, my picture added to the list of, of uh, some pretty impressive uh, folks there and say, hey, I'm an endorser of this. Or, or maybe there's somebody that's listening to AI, And, you know, I do a podcast on this and, and I want to get my name added to it. Has, is there a way you, you, can, you can do that? Yeah, well,
1: I would say for you especially, reach out to me personally. I'm happy okay. to get my personal email address. I get a lot of emails. It's just M mmeckler, M-M-E-C-K-L-E-R at COS action.com. I'd love to be in personal touch with you and there's lots of guy like you can do to help. It matters a lot that you've got the platform.
0: Okay, Mark, we are out of time. The uh, music means I've got to run off to the next news break. So thank you for your time, and we'll, uh, I look forward to chatting with you a little bit more and, and maybe even uh, off the air and, and seeing what we can do to make this thing a reality.
1: Sounds great. God bless. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, thanks, Mark. That's Mark Meckler. I'm Brad Schmidt. This is The Schmidt Show. We'll talk a little bit more about the Convention of States when we return after the news. ABC up next.